to inspire you to boldly and unapologetically live outside the box, dream big, and question everything. This is the Defy the Norm podcast with nomads with a purpose. Hello and welcome. So you are either joining us on YouTube on Making Mindfulness Fun or welcome to the Defy the Norm podcast. We're so glad to have you here today. I'm excited because Isabel and I are going to talk about something that we talk about all the time through our daily life and our travels and that is like how do you parent going into this post-covid world and really what what we wanted to name the title of this was from snowflakes to sovereign beings because really we were coming out of this generation where we were raising our kids were so special and uh, was the type of parenting that we always hear uh, gentle parenting gentle parenting and while there is some great validity to that, we really want to see um, people being able to step into helping kids be creative, being confident. And I really do think we have kind of the framework for what that takes today. So Isabel has a, really been a mindfulness coach but for kids, but she really has a bigger voice in mindfulness for everyone. And she has an amazing ability to just see the steps, do you feel like, see the steps of how people can become mm -hmm. more aware of... See the structure that they need to understand others. Yeah, and so we're gonna try to deliver that in um, hopefully less than an hour because you get Isabel and I talking and we... We could probably go all day. This could be a 24-hour podcast. It really could, it's 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 a beautiful thing, but... Okay, so to get into it, let's, um, let's start with just... Uh, Isabel, I want you to share in case, you know, I'm your mom, if, if, People should know that by by now if you subscribe yeah, to us. If you're but, on YouTube, you can probably see the resemblance. <laughs> but tell a little bit of your backstory and how you feel like you you have a voice in this. What what makes you like different? Yeah. And so back, I've always grown up in a very normal family for a long time. Not always, but up until I was about eleven, we owned, they owned their gymnastics facility. I would, although I was homeschooled, I was always around my family, I was around my friends, I did my school, I had my little snack packs every day that they prepared for me. It was just a very easy life and I always was working by a routine. But then when I was 11, my mom decided to go on our first road trip for a few months in an RV just to test it out. And from that moment on, she decided that we should just live in an RV and live in it full time and sell everything we owned. I was always an easygoing child, so this was a pretty easy transition for me. I was just like, okay, cool. I'm 11. I just was, I didn't care about anything. I just was like, that sounds like fun. I get to now sit at the beach every day. And it wasn't that hard, so it wasn't that hard of a transition for me, though I did have to get rid of a lot of the stuff I owned. I still had, again, easygoing. I got to keep most of it. And, but it slowly became a little and little harder as we traveled more and more because I was starting to face some problems as I got older with my peers, um, mostly. And so I became more and more different. You know, I was 
I was getting to do school on the beach every day and then we started traveling farther and farther out. I, saw, I experienced snow for the first time in Colorado. I've never seen snow before. I didn't know what real cold was. And then I was going mountain biking and hiking up these intense hills and it was insane. And I was seeing all these different places and especially as we went more and more, we went to Bali and I was just experiencing different cultures truly, not just what we say different cultures are through movies, but in real life, I was having these experiences that were making me a different person. Not every person my age was experiencing this. In fact, they're sitting at a desk nine to five. And so I'd go back to visit my friends and I noticed more and more that I was just very different. And not, it, the problem wasn't even so much that I was different, but we weren't, as like kids, as teens, we're not taught to how to embrace people who are different. We don't know how to deal with people who seem to have it quote unquote better than us. And so there became some of a divide. There became more and more of a negative stigma when I was around them. I started not to feel so good about myself because I didn't, wasn't, didn't feel very accepted. And so I eventually lost those friends, which led me onto a journey to find, because I had no friends for the remainder of my travels, I had to find, okay, well, I clearly am not having much luck finding people who live on the road who are my age because somehow in my travels never have met another person who was within even five years of age. There's always just younger kids because when you live in an RV, you think that you have to send kids to high school when they become teens. So they stop the full-time traveling. And so I had to in all fairness, part of it is because we traveled fast. I know that there are some full-timing families, but they tend to travel like this slower and in kind of groups and in one spot. And we were so adventure driven that I think that's part of why we just never crossed yeah. paths. And there was a lot of, um, not that these people are necessarily bad, but there's a lot of still resistance and like teen struggles for the most part. A lot of the teens I met struggle a lot. With it and so they're like well i still talk to my friends who are at home they're a little bit what we call um clicky so i think there's still a little bit of that even within the RVing community but point is that after i was experiencing how much like oh this rejection and everything i had to start learning to find fulfillment other places so that made myself value motivation value ambition value vision value creativity more because i was thinking okay well being creative makes me happy so i'm going to be creative every day and i'm going to push myself and then we'd rock climb and hike. And so I had to start getting into that more. Hiking became a really big outlet for me when we first started. Like, how fast can I get myself up this mountain? How much, how uh, long can I go even if I hurt? And that became my motivation. I started noticing how these intense challenges and this creativity were really important parts for me in making me happy. I noticed how much they made me happy, but it wasn't the kind of dopamine happy where it's like junk food. It took some effort and eventually too, Gabby and mom had started Nomads with a Purpose. They had this passion that they were pursuing and I kind of wanted in on that, um, especially after I had worked as a barista for a few months, which I found very um, motivating for me. So passion became even more of a play as I tried to pursue, entrepreneur, pursue entrepreneurship and this became another motivation for me. And I guess that's not very common because a lot of the teens my age, a lot of people my age, they are in a place where they're following they're just told to do the homework, follow school assignments. This is how you'll be successful. Whereas I somehow got to skip that step and I went straight from, okay, here's your, um, let's not do common core. Let's not do this. Pursue your passions, make this into a business. Yeah. And so we want to really get into more of how do you teach your children to find intrinsic worthiness, intrinsic motivation when everything around you 
is extrinsically driven. And that really is um, our message over and over and over again. It's not like you should have intrinsic motivation. You know that. You know you yourself as a parent want to have it. You know you want your kids to have it. But how we actually discover that and achieve that is hopefully what we're going to be talking about today and in future um, videos and podcast episodes. The, the big thing is it's really easy to be distracted these days, right? We have our phones, we have social media, we have um, busy schedules. It's really, it's really easy to get caught up in even the fear that, that we're surrounded by right now. And so what happened for us, it was really, you know, very serendipitous that as I was, my goal was not to, let's move into an RV and I'm gonna teach you how to have intrinsic, worth, intrinsic worthiness. It was a function of like, this is fun. I want to personally, me as the mom, I want to go do this hike. I don't, I can't do it if they don't come with me. So I need to meet them at their, um, where they're at. And so I would say things like, Hey, I really want to do this hike. Um, what do you need for snacks so that we can get up this, up this hill? Or when we had, when I had really young kids, Isabel wasn't, um, was already old enough to hike on her own, but the youngest one, I would just say, okay, Tatiana, I'm just going to carry you for half this hike. And, and really being able to step into, um, your own personal power to create that intrinsic worthiness for your kids. It's not a function you can't as a mom or a dad say, I want you to align with your value system when you yourself are detached from your own value system. So let's uh, dive into, uh, so you touched on a couple really big words like challenge, confidence, creativity. I think a lot of those things start with, um, what do you think the easiest first step is for, for and now keep in mind, you. You can't walk the walk or you can't talk the talk if you don't walk the walk. And so it's really important that all of these things that Isabel touches on that are um, things that you can do. Because, you know, if you go on Making Mindfulness Fun um, website, there are so many, so many journal things, so many activities, so many creative things that people can do with their kids. And yet I find that a lot of people don't make time to do them. So remember, these are things you want to be doing with your kids, not like, hey child, here's this workbook, go do this workbook. We're hoping to come together and be like, hey, you can do this together and build a relationship while you do it, but the long-term worthiness that they're going to build are important. So what do you think the very first steps in like helping them to, you know, it's not realistic to say, hey, go rock climbing with your kids. That's a great way. It's a really good way to go find an indoor rock climbing gym and just start because then we, we develop capabilities by stepping outside our comfort zone. But yeah. some of the, you teach a lot of really helpful things that they can do at home that are. Yeah, so in the end, this comes down to the journey of mindfulness. We need to teach kids something that is not being taught in any education system ever. You sometimes see stuff about gentle parenting, but it's kind of taking the wrong approach. With like the gentle parenting stuff, I see how there's value in kindness, of course, but there's a lack of self-awareness in this process. So, so what it becomes is enabling kids and enabling yourself um, into not stepping into your own growth as a parent. When mindfulness is in the core of the answer, that's why we do making mindfulness fun. That's why I always call myself keep it mindful kids currently on Instagram. That's why I chose the message that I'm a kids mindfulness coach is that mindfulness is the thing we need to be teaching kids now that we are lacking. You see so much with 
how the world is set up right now. Kids wake up and they are we, we have a system that they wake up and say, okay, I wake up, I have to put this on, I have to do this, I have to eat breakfast, and then I go to school from this time to this time. It's all programmed, it's all within the same system. You look at this book, you watch this technology after, and so they're having their brain set up to never have to really think and be self-aware. They never have time to enter that space of where they're reflecting. And this is so important because this is how we set ourselves up for success. That's how I set myself up to be so passionate and creative. Let me but, let me pause just for a second because it, again, we did walk this walk. When Isabel was young, she really has never truly homeschooled. We did a few workbooks here and there, but for the most part, I chose by the time she was born or by the time she was school age, to do a pretty unschooling approach where you don't have to do any of uh, traditional curriculum as long as you find a creative outlet. Now it was really useful for Isabel because she's naturally drawn to a lot of creative, creative outlets. Yeah, I mean, I was always doing arts and crafts, always drawing, always wanting to do Always, in fact, it was like her environment, um, I remember a cousin of mine came over and saw her stringing beads at like three years old. And like, I've never seen a kid focus like that. But yes, she's always been drawn to, and not every kid is. In fact, I'll, I can tell you, well, all my kids are creative, but they have different ways that they're creative. Which comes back to personality type, which we'll get into, because that's an important part of what yeah. kids need to understand. So Isabel, from a very young age, is drawing and creating necklaces. And then she, like when we were in the RV the first few years, you spent hours and hours drawing. Yeah, probably because when we moved in, um, I always liked crafts for the most part, especially because I was so young. I think we had to get rid of most of we that, so I ended room. up having like this um, foldable um, case that was like pretty big of pens and paper, and that's what I would go off of for yeah. most of our travels. So this this element of creativity, while it is seems very traditional, like, oh, paint and stuff. You, you can I know for my oldest son it was writing. He just he loved writing books and uh for gabby it was a lot of photography and videography and every but but we can't state enough how important finding that creative outlet is and for you like you you definitely found it through our had time for it in our travels but i think one of the things isabel's getting to is that when we program out our kids days so much or we schedule out um and we don't give them choices we're not creating opportunities for that creativity there was a time when I actually let my oldest son play video games and I would go to him and say, you know, it's not so much the video game I have a problem with, it's the opportunity cost of the video games. Meaning because you're spending an hour on this video game, you're missing out an hour of opportunity for uh, interaction with the world or things to happen. And, mm -hmm. and I see that's a big, um, the main fear behind um, a lot of road schoolers when they make the transition from having all their kids in school to homeschooling or moving to another system is that the fear they can't handle, um, they're trying to find a new structure. Everyone's like, how do you handle the last mom? How do you handle math? Like, what do you do for this? What do you do for that? How do you, do you let them do this in the morning? I never have time for myself. The key secret comes is that you're trying, you have to learn to, society tells us we need to structure everything and while some routine is great, you have to first start by unstructuring. You have to let them learn how to use their own free thinking to structure out their day. And that was the biggest thing I feel like um, that made such me such a different person from my peers is that because I was raised as such an unschooler and which might make me um, not as good as math as some because I don't know calculus or I can't, I, I'll admit I don't know much history, but 
I spent every day learning how I wanted to do my life and I started free thinking. I started, I pictured what I wanted to do to be creative and that made me more of a creative person. That made me have more ideas and then it set me up to think more in the future. And so when you're raising kids, whether you're homeschooling, road schooling, whether you probably, if you're looking into homeschooling, start by letting your kids learn how to do nothing, like let them do nothing until they figure out how to do something. Absolutely. The um, self-responsibility that comes from this form of raising your kids is really like the best life skill that they're going to get is to be able to t be accountable to their day. And so what that looks like is kind of uh, boundaries of these are okay and these are not okay. And that's why exactly we get to to values like what what is important to you so the easiest way is you know you pull the plug on electronics because otherwise you're just in a constant state of battling like oh you only get one hour on your ipad today i really encourage like just just eliminating yeah. those for a while um which means you might have to detox yourself from that yes i think that's a big one too is that it helps really big is that you have to be literally on the same page treating your kids like an equal now uh, like by doing what they're doing so then they can feel like they can relate to you and see kind of um it's like on an energetic level they can match your frequency exactly. and so then you guys can restructure all together it's like how couples they'll do detoxes together because it feels like hey we got this <laughs> absolutely you definitely want to feel like you and you want your child to look at you and think we're in this together and sometimes uh, we we have our own conditioning as parents to say, oh, we, we have to hide this element from our kids or we have to seem tough and strong even though we feel like internally like just as scared. Instead, we need to come together and go, oh, this is where that maybe gentle parenting can be a positive thing. Like, hey, let's take a couple deep breaths and like, let's communicate. Yeah, I'm kind of scared too. Yeah, I'm kind of scared. But you know what? Together, we can um, step into our empowerment and find ways to harness all of our gifts uh, if you've watched New Earth Era, I really recommend, highly recommend watching it. But, you know, for, for us, if you look around, I don't think anybody can really think that we're going back to the old world. And quite honestly, like that old world didn't serve us very well. In fact, that's why we chose to uh, opt out of it five, six, seven years ago. Seven, I guess now. Seven years ago is because we're, I knew back then, like the structures of life, the grind, the rat race, whatever you want to call it, was not serving me or my family in its best interest. And so I was lucky that was very intuitive and I decided to go on a different path. Um, this new earth that we're, that we're stepping into, this awakening is going to be all about the renaissance of the individual, this, the sovereignty of who you are, but it has to be on a platform of what makes you uh, create what are you creative in that you can offer to the world mm -hmm. what is your purpose and passion and I think that statement there is so important because um, when thinking about parenting and thinking about family dynamics the same thing that applies to a family applies to the collective meaning like what you're saying you apply to your child but you should also be applying to the world because right now parents I know so many and I know you probably are too you're so scared where the world's heading with everything that you're gonna be needing to be in school still or everything that you're that's going to be changing in schools things that they're going to require things that they're going to start teaching things that they're going to eliminate things the structure of it all is probably something that you might or might be something that you don't want to get into but you don't know where to go because it's terrifying how are you supposed to restructure your life which opens the door to opportunity and that means you need to start being thinking about what you want what is your expectation that's like where you start with what do you want out of your day and then 
just do it and guess what it's possible the same thing applies to like raising kids when a kid doesn't feel like they don't know what they want you to do or when your kid's not living the life how you want them to be ask them what is their expectation you want to start with that okay let's structure your life around it i can't emphasize that enough i talk to a lot of people that i coach i i say it all the time like ask your child what your expectation is but the harder part is that i think most adults have trouble outlining what their own expectation is for themselves for their their relationship for their kids if you could do any one thing today from this the the take home write down your expectations on what you think a good life is outside of the drama and the stress of what's going on in the world picture uh what it would look like if things just went your way we used to travel and talk in well if money wasn't an object where would we go what do we want to do and the funny thing is we would do these hikes, 10, 20 mile hikes all the time and talk Imwo for hours and hours all day. Imwo, well, I would do this. And the funny thing is what? 75% of that has come true at Probably. least. Because we talked about it and by talking about it, we'd say, I mean, we just finished a trip to uh, Florida and it was amazing because we thought, wow, we've been talking about this trip for so long and it actually happened. And we're like, this is not abnormal. Most trips we talk about have happened. Um, so when you can use, well, let's talk a little bit about third eye, but I think if, depending on your cognitive function, it may be easy for you to tap into third eye. It might be a little yeah, harder to I tap into third eye. I think though before the third eye even, the big problem too is not, like I'm putting you guys under the bus by saying the problem, but this is something I've noticed is that parents have trouble releasing control, which is natural because you want to make sure your kid doesn't die. You want to make sure they live a good life and a long one. But control is something that I see is hard because in society we're taught that we're, we come into the world, we're just do our own thing. We're creative by default, but then we're taught to do more, do more, do more, do more, do more, do more. And be more. And be more, which leads us to being hyper controlling and always looking for more busy work, which is how we get into the situation. We need to get out of it. We need to start doing less and finding figuring out what it is we need to do and that can be really uncomfortable for a lot of parents because they always looking at to okay what do i need to do next for my kid and when in fact the answer is more in doing less i know for a lot of parents how much control like oh well i gotta make sure their snacks ready i gotta make sure their school is lined up i gotta make sure their mindfulness is set up like free yeah i really um too. in order to make this transition i had to really really let go i mean keep in mind i'm a type eight and so control is my thing it's my jam but i had to really let go on the organization and cleanliness of my house that doesn't mean i didn't sometimes step in and clean it of course we did but overall i i caught that i was like man i waste most of my day just moving stuff from one box to another box putting this box in this closet and it wasn't serving me and for me personally what made me do the transition is because i stepped into confidence through sports i started surfing and rock climbing and found so much intrinsic joy in those things that i thought man this is silly that i'm telling you guys to study math when like i was a straight a student math was really easy for me studying was easy for me i did all that and like that did not make me happy, but when I go outside and I'm in nature and I feel the sand beneath my feet and I feel the wind in my hair, all of a sudden I'm like, wow, I feel joyful. I feel happy. I don't need a lot of things outside of that. So if you catch yourself in that controlling every minute of your schedule, look back and go, are those things that I'm controlling actually bringing me joy or are they just making me stressed out and making it seem like a facade of control 
that's keeping me safe when really I'm afraid if I let go, things are going to unravel. That's, that's where the magic starts happening actually mm -hmm. in that unraveling process. So third eye, do we want to give some tips for how to, because you know, a lot of people don't step into their third eye naturally. Yeah. Well, I think this is more your area of expertise because you're all about like you're as a coach, we're very different when it comes to what it comes to for um, coaching to restructure this because we want to help you, whether you're a parent or single, we want to help you live a better life aligned with your dreams. And so you use a lot of I solar plexus and third yes. eye chakra. So how do you, I want to okay. know what you have Scripting. to think about. How do you um, open your third eye for people who are interested? Because I love to plan. I think planning out. Um, so I told, told the kids after this trip, I said, you guys, you know what's crazy is when you weren't even born, I was writing out like, oh, when I have four kids, I'm going to take them to these places. And I wasn't even that obsessed with travel. I just liked the idea of newness. And so I remember, I think my first child was born when I'd write, oh, eventually I'll have four kids. And when they're 17, 15, 12, and six, we'll go to Tahiti. Well, we've never been to Tahiti, but we've been to a whole lot of other places. So being able to start with that massive picture of scripting. And I know you're like, whoa, but Robin, have you seen the world today? We might not even be able to fly again. And I go, wait, wait. True, you might not be able to in the next year or two years, but if you're constantly scripting out the worst case scenario, guess what you're manifesting? The worst case scenario. It's okay to have awareness of some things that might be limiting you, but then you have to extract yourself and go, but if the world stays, um, there are so many people, there's so many like-minded people that are vibrating at a high frequency that we will absolutely restructure this earth to be able to thrive. So you have to be able to put yourself in that, like if the world just opens up and there's all this love, what would I do? What would I want my life to be? Would I really care if my kid gets an A in this class? Would I really care if my house is perfectly organized? Would I really care if I have this much money in my bank account? Or would I want to be able to like have my shoulders relax and sit on the beach and um, go for a bike ride with my kids or have a conversation with my husband and not say, not be reporting. So Saturday we have a dinner party with this person and Sunday we have this to go to. And then after church, like step away from like what you think your schedule should look like and embrace like what would be the optimal scenario of scripting what do i really want to see yeah. happen in my life yeah and i think that is in the end the end goal is that you have to start doing less and envisioning more and then acting very subtly and um, in alignment which means doing less but that can be also i know really hard for people i mean it was really hard for me and my sister i remember we were driving to alaska we were sitting in this hot tub and i love my life but there's something missing for me and she asked, well, what do you want? And I literally didn't know the answer. Now, granted, I was 15. I didn't have that much life experience, but still I had no clue as to what I wanted. I could not answer that question. And so for those who need structure, for those who just can't answer that question, it comes back to typology. And that's why I teach so much about the Myers-Briggs and the Enneagram, because this is the structure, this can supply, this will supply the structure that you need which I think is really important for raising kids and for parenting and for yourself. Because again, for everything you do for your kids, you need to be doing that for yourself. And by doing that, you teach your kids to take care of themselves. So looking into typology is, I think, the second step. The first step is just by practicing mindfulness through whether that's, I think, meditation is really important to eventually incorporate, but you have to get familiar with it yourself before you expect your kids to. 
And then challenging yourself. Challenge is such a, something that's so important and passion. So finding those three things um, through mindfulness, through maybe meditation, doesn't have to be though. Passion and challenge, those are three things to start with. But once you get that basis of good living or pursuing good living um, in place, you need some structure. And that's why I think typology supplies that. So depending on your child and your personality type, you're gonna need something so different. So there's the Enneagram for starters. That's the one I think is simpler to start with and makes it so that you can um, it's easier to incorporate, I think. Um, what the Enneagram is, is a personality typing system that tells you your core desires and your core fears and a little bit of how you're gonna act and how you're gonna grow. So for example, I'm a type nine. This is known as the peacemaker. And this explains why I was such an easygoing child because I'm known for being easygoing, friendly, and liking to relax. I, my core desire is to find peace, which ends up being through um, relaxing, being in comfort. While this is something that this is something to keep in mind, um, it really helped. To, it would have helped um, to keep in mind. Uh, it's good for me to know because now I know that oh, I need more comfort than the average person. But it also means that my growth, something that I need, is to challenge myself. And by doing that, then I make myself a happier person. Now, for someone else who's a different type, it's going to be different. Um, for kids who are type sixes, they're going to need a little bit more security. I see there's a lot of type six kids. Um, who can struggle a little bit with um, uh, leaving the school system because they like the structure. And then there's type seven kids who will do better with the free learning because they like having free reign, they love spontaneity. So knowing your child's Enneagram is gonna be a really important and simple way for you to structure your homeschooling life and make it really easy because going into homeschooling and going into this new earth, this new era is going to be really hard but by knowing your child's personality it's not putting them into a box it's making it so that uh, you understand them better and make it so that you can set up your life better and knowing your own enneagram too is really important because she's uh it's interesting because i'm the peacemaker i want comfort she's the type eight called the challenger her core desire is intensity so naturally if i want less comfort or if i want more comfort and she wants discomfort there's going to be some clash there but by knowing what i need for growth and by knowing what she needs for growth it means that we can find each other in our balance. So when I'm in my growth, we can both challenge ourselves. And then when she steps into her growth, we can both relax a little more. And this is how the Enneagram plays out so well for families, especially in our day-to-day -day lives. And then there's the Myers-Briggs type indicator, which tells us more of how we engage in the world. It controls our cognitive function. I think this is a really great one for figuring out how kids are gonna learn because you, if we say free range and all this free reign and all this stuff and that kids should just learn freely, but we don't want them all necessarily to be these hippie kids who run around with no clothes and just are yeah. learning through nature. I mean, I should not. interject to say like, as much as I say that unschooling, they were extremely, there was a high expectation on being driven. Yes. And like learn about something, turn it into something, serve the world. Right, right. So yeah. So and um, real quick on the Enneagram though, you have um, YouTube videos on how yes. to find so, your kids' Enneagram. So the other thing is too with the Enneagram, a quick note is that you can look, there's technically tests that you can do, free tests online, quizzes on how to find your Enneagram, but they don't truly work. don't work. <laughs> because we naturally perceive ourselves and perceive our kids different than their true nature, it's just a default. We can't always see it perfectly. So I have free Enneagram cheat sheets that you should use if you're interested in learning your child's Enneagram. You just read them, they're super short and they tell you exactly what each type is like and it's gonna make it so you can find your kid's Enneagram. 
And if you still struggle on making Mindfulness Fun's YouTube channel, I have videos on signs that you are each Enneagram type. With those two things, you'll be able to find your kid's Enneagram type. Just, just don't do the test. It's not going <laughs> to And do I'm really like honing in on this. This is your, your or your kid's core desire. Now, that just is like the underlying framework or foundation for your parenting to understand that, okay, I have a peacemaker. I have another one that's achievement driven. Another child that's the investigator. The knowledge driven. Uh, yeah, so. It's information. So I think it's really important to create a harmonious, happy family to understand and respect and structure your family environment so that everybody has space for that core desire. Now, what everyone tends to mistype as is their core behavior, which is their Enneagram wings, but also easy to identify in their Myers-Briggs, as you're about to say. Yes, and again, too, like the core desire part is so important. And we have seven people, there's nine types, and we have seven people in this family who are all different types. And so if we can make seven different core desires work, then you can make your family dynamics work for each of your core desires, too. Um, but then there's the Myers-Briggs, which is the other personality typing system that I highly recommend. Um, is It shows your cognitive function. We are raised naturally. As kids, we are born and we have to have a programming, a mindset that shows how we perceive the world in order to survive. And so we eventually develop this programming, which, kind of which um, ends up leading to our Myers-Briggs type. It controls how we see the world. And so there's 16 different types, which can be a little more overwhelming, but it's pretty easy to type. I found it easy to type people when I'm in person and I, I'm working on getting more content up on that on our YouTube channel. But what the Myers-Briggs will do with uh, parenting is that it's gonna control how your kid learns because you don't want them just to be a full, if you don't want them to be a full free reign hippie who learns nothing and just lives by the protection of mother earth, the cognitive functions are Myers-Briggs um, is going to be a really important way to learn how your kids learn. So for example, me and my younger sister, Tatiana, we are very similar types because we learn through experiences. We um, have this function called SE. I'm not going to get into explaining all those because they're really complicated and uh, would be a whole lesson. I'll just but... link. I have a, a mini course on, on this um, that I'll link below in the show notes or in the YouTube channel, but... Um, I call it successful schooling, but you can use it just for raising your kids too. And it breaks down exactly how to figure out their cognitive functions and how to implement yeah. these. It's a really great course and it makes finding out your cognitive functions really easy. But knowing that me and Tati are this type that learns best through experiences, that means that hands-on learning is going to be a best. I know, but whereas for my other brother, my older brother, he is a different function, which learns best. They do best in the school system because they learn through um, reading, they learn through taking in information and keeping it in these file cabinets in their brains. They're good at memorization and they're good at, um, yeah. Yeah, I was gonna say, even if they're good at the school system, it doesn't mean they need the school system. It means you as a parent uh, should provide curriculum, more curriculum for them. They I want to learn then apply, whereas the other type uh, applies to learn. Yeah, so I think, uh, years ago, I wrote a book and didn't really do anything with it <laughs> called It's Not About the Curriculum. And this was way before COVID, way before how um, popular unschooling and road schooling and all that stuff got. This was just from when I was um, purely intuitive from 17 years of homeschooling. And, you know, everyone goes like, okay, so I'm thinking of homeschooling. What curriculum should I use? I'm like, Duh. it's not about the curriculum. Drop the curriculum. Just learn 
to connect with your child, like be able to look them uh, eye to eye. And I think for me, I didn't have, I didn't have a horrible childhood. I just, I didn't have a childhood that I felt was in what I needed. I didn't feel like I, I was really successful in school, like I said, but I really just felt like I wanted to be understood. I wanted to be heard. Um, and I didn't get that. And so I know when I had kids, I wanted to have a relationship. It was really important for me to have a relationship with my kids. I didn't really care if they got straight A's. I didn't really care how successful they were. I didn't care about college. In fact, I pretty much raised them saying like, I really hope you guys don't want to go to college. If, if, if you really want to, I'll support it. But like, I just want you guys to chase passion and, and own your own life, own your own time, not be a slave to the system. And so I thought, you know, the best way to raise kids who have a connection with them is to listen to them. Homeschooling really became more about like a kind of a Socratic method of like asking questions. What are you thinking about today? What are you interested in? Why do you like that? What did you pick up that book? Do you think I should read that book? Reading the same book as them and then having book club, things mm -hmm. like that. Like, you know, oh, what sports do you want to play instead of like, we're so stuck in like baseball, soccer, mm -hmm. competitive gymnastics. Like, hey, you want to go play frisbee? Let's go through. Let's let's play hacky sack. Yeah, and I think for this in general, with the way the world's heading, what is so much what you're saying is that we have to stop looking at education as something that we can divide from the rest of life. Yes. Like, don't underestimate the fact that your kids gonna keep learning until they die. Until for the rest of their life, they always will be learning. They always have an opportunity to learn and so i was probably not as good at some skills younger but then i got a job at a coffee shop and i started i had a reason to get better at mathematics at social skills you develop as you go and so don't underestimate that in your kids and start thinking about life as all life in general is going to be their learning opportunity so have them always in situations where they're going to learn whether that's through reading creating um activities being outside they're going to learn no matter what so don't worry so much about okay they got to do this and they have to do this and this is going to supply a learning here if they're going to learn through it all and so using the myers-briggs to find out the way they're going to learn is so important yeah we'll have to do more we'll be creating more content specifically on the myers-briggs but if you're you know you can just grab that mini course um i want to talk finish up with one little thing because I think at the root of the reason why we that why we might struggle to implement this right away is because of programming and self-limiting beliefs. And if we if we are going to completely step into this new earth of stepping into purpose and passion and trusting in um, the frequency of the quantum field and raising our vibration and all these things that seem maybe at one point like unfamiliar to us. Um, I don't even want to use the word woo-woo, but people are like, wait, I don't get this. This really is where the world's moving to. And I think people are starting to see it more and more. Um, as you open your heart, you start finding more synchronicities in life. And then you start realizing, wait, wait, everything that I knew is not necessarily true. Well, what if everything that I thought isn't true either? And so changing your thoughts means changing your beliefs and really mindfulness. The best thing you can do in mindfulness is just become aware of your thoughts because you start to I become love. aware of your thoughts. You become aware of your beliefs and those beliefs are what created your program. Okay. They are actually why whatever happened to you as a child is why you ended up with that Enneagram. 
because I was in a divorced family from a very young age that was fighting, I became a type eight who could take control of my life. And so while I'm never gonna not be a type eight, I can become aware of, oh, this is where I step in and I try to micromanage and control everything. Well, what happened for me, you know, I, I caught myself thinking this doesn't align with what that vision of the future that I wanted to create with my kids look like. So I had to step back and go, hmm, I need to notice what is what fear is keeping me from just following this passion of like, I just want to be connected with my, my hippie children and, and like just run wild on the beach. <laughs> and I had to think, well, what's fear? And these fears still present themselves. This, this fear of lack of control still presents itself. And so you have to catch whatever that self-limiting belief, what Isabel would notice as a type nine, well, there's this belief that conflict is bad. Conflict is gonna cause uneasiness. I, and, and the very first step, right, is that finding that self-limiting belief of that mm -hmm. this, this feeling is bad and mm -hmm. deciding how, it, how yeah. it serves us. Yes, for sure. So mindfulness is really the first and only step because in the end, everything else is just a tool to living a mindful life. So start practicing mindfulness, whether that's through meditation, walking, Start paying attention yeah, to like, those thoughts. And you really don't have to meditate. I mean, meditation's yeah. a great way to like strip off some of these layers. That we, but After you really all, we're don't. making mindfulness fun. And so mindfulness is a state of awareness. All you're doing when people use that over-glorified word of mindfulness where you picture a yogi millennial meditating with their <laughs> avocado toast, it's just being aware and it's starting to act with more awareness so you don't have to meditate like she said to be mindful i always do for kids there's like mindful dance parties where you just dance and you notice to, uh, how you feel that's just being mindful and that's a great way to promote your health you could hike and be mindful you can paint and be mindful you can bake you can even work mindfully yeah and sharing these experiences with your kids is so important two days ago we woke up we were in destin beach florida and i remember sitting on the beach and we had all rode our bikes from the campground over to the beach and we're sitting there and the kids are splashing in the water and I was listening to a podcast and soaking in the sun and I was thinking to myself like, this is so cheap. This is like the amount of money it takes for us to be in this situation on the beach and everybody's happy. Like this, if I could just like, how can I package this and tell somebody like, it, it costs so little, but there's those self-limiting beliefs that come up like, well, if I don't have this amount of money and this type of house and all of these provide all of these things, these extrinsic things for my kids, I'm a failure as a parent. And I really think that's what we're up against. Redefining what success for you as a parent is and identifying where you want that success to take you. Like what, what are the relationships you want it's not like you're going, oh, but I gotta make sure I buy that new car for my kid or I do this for them. Those, those probably if you sit in silence and you're more mindful and you're more aware, you're like, no, no, I want them to call me when, they're, when they do something exciting and they're adults, I want them to be really excited to call me and say, guess what, mom? I just learned this air on my snowboard, it was so cool. And when we, when we can, Use the third eye to see that vision of what we want to create, that happiness, that joy, that connection. Then we get more mindful of, ooh, what is that fear? What's that belief? What's that thought that's telling me I can't do that? That's a big, shortest way of saying, right? Mm -hmm. This big picture of mm -hmm. that's what we're trying to do. We're shifting the mindset through mindfulness, okay? And at the very least, 
start with health and health really does come down to slowing down a little bit more self-care eating good food because i know for us we would never have been able to to practice this mindfulness without this element of slowing down our life self-care really just means you know not rushing not rushing from one thing remember to that there's a pause button and a fast forward button and a play button of life yeah and so in short like this this world we're going into can seem really scary right now so many people are scared that we're just going to wake up one day and it's we're going to be trapped or it's all going to go bad that might there's always a possibility that something sudden could happen but you're not going to be trapped and that's what i truly believe because like mindfulness and like everything in life nothing can necessarily happen overnight and like this mindfulness journey it's not going to happen it's for every bad there is a good every action has an equal or opposite reaction so just start your journey now with your kids start working towards that mindfulness and as you we step into this area of more sovereignty there might be more bad in the world but you're we're going to be working towards being more sovereign beings because we are on a rise. We are going up a staircase in life towards better enlightenment, better living and better being, not just doing. And it might seem like more bad is coming out and it might seem like you're going to have to uh, have, your kids might have a more and more hard time living in this world. How could you have possibly been born into such a hard time like this? But it is a detoxing in the world that we need right now. And so your kids, might seem like they have to give up their soccer club or give up their friends or have to get rid of technology or live in an RV or all these hard things. You might have to give up some things, but it's leading to you to the best of possibilities of a more sovereign, happy life. All right. I hope you uh, make sure you subscribe to the YouTube channel and the podcast because sometimes we don't post these on both channels. Um, on the YouTube channel, Isabel does such an amazing job of getting out how-to videos so that you can do more steps because I know we presented a whole lot of things uh, here. I'll bring Isabel back onto the podcast too, but I try to paint a big picture of how to defy the norm. But I definitely think that stepping into your own sovereignty by reconnecting with your soul's purpose and really thinking about how you can best serve your child's soul purpose is really the root of defying the norm. And um, thank you, Isabel, for joining me. Yeah, it was fun.